Senator Jeb Bradley is a Senate president. I guess he has the gavel. He can get up. Well, the House Speaker has the gavel. He has something. He can get us going. Good morning on this uh, Friday morning, the Republican, but he's a Senate president of New Hampshire. Good morning, Senator. Hey, good morning, Jack. How are you? And Happy New Year to all your listeners. I appreciate that. You didn't witness that watermelon attack, did you? No, I did not witness the watermelon attack. <laughs> well, a lot, I guess... You know, we're 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 just over a few weeks to go, hard to believe, before the first votes in the road of the race to the White House, Tuesday, January 23rd, coming up. I guess we're technically 18 days. So we can talk about that, or we can talk about some other stuff. Where do you want to begin this morning? Well, um, let me just say that Senate Republicans highlighted their priorities earlier in the, the week at a press conference. Um, obviously, <coughs> excuse me. Economic issues are front and center. Um, We're very concerned about the judicial overreach in the latest Claremont education funding decision that, in my view, would lead us to an income tax or a sales tax. So we made it very clear our priority is to not go down that road, not bring back donor towns. Um, Obviously, the governor has a that to the New Hampshire Supreme Court. Uh, we also focus on public safety. Uh, we should be ending sanctuary cities. We should be strengthening our northern border uh, to prevent fentanyl coming into the state as much as we possibly can. Um, bail reform, another key issue. I think the House took an important step this week. That's, that's good news. Um, you know, so those are our priorities and and. Uh, along with some other things like a parent's bill of rights is really critical. Um, so that was, you know, where we put a stake in the ground earlier this week. In terms of the presidential primary... Well, can I, I, can I come that, back to some state stuff since you opened the door sure. on that first? Um, yep. J-Dog, we had... J-Dog, help me out on this, please. We had Maggie Pritchard, Pritchard, Pritchard on Pritchard, yep. from uh, Lakes Region Mental Health Center yesterday. And, of course, I don't know if you're aware and you're invited, Senator. I'll send you a note of your staff. Um, Wednesday morning, January 17th, I do, an, I do a town hall live. My show will be on the road, Capital Center for the Arts in Concord Bank in New Hampshire stage. We're doing a three-hour town hall on mental health in New Hampshire and the region and addiction together. Too often they go together. You know, it's, and I, I think you know, you don't, you don't have, if you don't agree, you can say so, but I know, I, I know for a fact it's the number one health issue affecting more listeners and families than any other health threat combined. So we're, we're taking it head on. Anxiety, depression, mental health, addiction. We're going to have NAMI and the DEA on synthetic fentanyl and, and other uh, mental health uh, stakeholders trying to you know, come up with some solutions. So you know, a lot of folks are going to be there, gubernatorial candidates, Governor Sununu, I believe, and maybe the presidential. But it's a nonpartisan event. But yesterday, Maggie was talking about something. She came to, there was a hearing the other day, and she was not too happy with the state insurance commissioner because there was a measure that was trying to get some more support for younger people on mental health episodes so they don't wind up sitting in an emergency room in a hospital, which is not equipped to deal with a mental health episode. Are you aware at all what she was speaking about? Something didn't pass. Yeah, I mean, that was a bill that came in front of the Senate Health and Human Services Committee. I'm not sure um, why, you know, there was anger there. Um, You know, we had the same bill two years ago. It got tabled eventually. 
Um, there's a lot of controversy about um, whether these services are covered by private insurance. And the overwhelming testimony was that these mental health services are covered, but that coding issues precluded them from being billed for. So we didn't get too far with that bill. It got tabled. There's a lot of discussion. There was progress made. Um, and the same bill got filed again by Senator Whitley. Okay, so at the hearing, Commissioner Betancourt said that he was going to convene another working group of insurers and advocates to, you know, sort through some of these issues because the insurers say they cover, um, the mental health advocates say it's often a problem, and whether legislation is necessary or not, I mean, one of the things that the insurance commissioner said was that they could issue guidance that would um, sort of settle this, and, and that might be a good route to go. Um, so, you know, we should hold off on, you know, on judgment. I did tell Commissioner Betancourt he needed to crack the whip with the insurance companies to make sure that, you know, they are providing these services because so often in a mental health situation, if you are doing preventative care and you have, you know, the opportunity for counseling and for, you know, all of the necessary services, you are preventing hospitalization and much more um, expensive treatment, but also it's just not good for the patient. So, um the, I think there is broad agreement that reform needs to be made, and I think, you know, Betancourt can um, lead that effort. And, you know, we gave him until the end of February to come back with, you know, a plan, and if it's not good, then I think, you know, the, the legislation probably will pass. Okay. Let's move on. You were going to talk about the primary. I guess the big question some town halls last night. I don't know how many Republican primary voters watched the CNN town hall, I guess, DeSantis, Nikki Haley. But my question to you is, there are 18 days to go. And the big question I'm asking, and you've run for Congress, you've served in Congress, you've been a six, you know state senator now, Senate president. You know the primaries as well as anyone. You could write a book on it, probably in your sleep. My que- The billion or trillion dollar question is, and I'm not talking about our deficit, <laughs> now, national, is... <laughs> is how many independents are actually going to participate in a Republican primary. That seems to be the big question that that no one knows with certainty. And with, with the Democrats and Joe Biden snubbing, not even being on the ballot in New Hampshire, how many independents, because that's who Nikki Haley's targeting, that's who Chris Sununu on her behalf and these PACs are targeting if they want to trip up Trump in New Hampshire. I personally think it's still a reach. I, I think it's going to tighten. I don't know, though. You would know, because in a Republican primary, Trump seems to have this thing locked up. My question to you is yeah. how many independents are going to participate, and are they going to be a big enough number that could make this a very interesting night in the state of New Hampshire? You know what? I think that Haley has um, got momentum and, you know, quite frankly, a surge of um, support. I, I don't see that the other leading contenders, um, Governor DeSantis or Governor Christie or Mr. Ramaswamy, um, you know, they have core support, but they haven't grown their support past, uh, you know, certain thresholds. So I think it's 
you know, increasingly becoming a two-person race. Um, whether Nikki Haley can get enough independents out to, you know, vote for her so that she comes either very close or even potentially overtakes President Trump, I think is up in the air. I think it's somewhat unlikely, but, you know, I, I think she's going to surprise people and do, you know, better than 30%. And that would be, you know, if that happens, that would be um, pretty telling. Well, it will be interesting. What do you think? If you had to predict, like J-Dogs and do some predictions I, the next hour on football I scores. That, I think that President Trump will get about 40%. Haley will get 30 to 32%. And then, you know, Christy Ramaswamy and DeSantis will split the, you know, remaining. That's how I, that's how I see it now. And, you know, it's interesting. Um, if that's the case, I don't know if you agree with me, because it looks like in the uh, in Iowa, in the caucus state, Trump's got a pretty good uh, showing there. Maybe DeSantis surprises people somewhat. Um, if Trump if Trump does Iowa in the caucuses, I usually think what happens in Iowa does not translate to New Hampshire. But if he does well in Iowa and then comes in and wins the primary votes in New Hampshire, I think he's going on to become the nominee. I don't think there's anything stopping him after New Hampshire, including South Carolina. I may be wrong. Yeah, I mean, I think if... Um, he wins both, you know, the Iowa caucus and New Hampshire primaries in a pretty strong position. Obviously, you know, there are a couple of other early states before Super Tuesday, and I don't think you can, you know, necessarily say it's a foregone conclusion, but he, you know, if President Trump wins both, he'll be on his way. Oh, yeah, I would think there's no stopping him at that point. All right, Senator, Senate President Jeb Bradley on this Friday, enjoy some real snow this weekend. I know it's a national news story that we're having a snowstorm in January in New England, but enjoy it. Yeah, I will. Take right. care, Jack. John Decker, our own White House correspondent, he's watching New Hampshire, but he's watching, also watching like myself, the Middle East, because as much as people in our country, and amazes me, have a short attention span and are just you know still focused on Israel, Hamas, and Gaza. There's a lot going on in the Middle East, in the Red Sea, including and also an airstrike a Thursday in Baghdad. A lot going on to keep an eye on, in my humble opinion, but I'm not Secretary of State. I, well, I might want to be Secretary of State for a week, but I'm not <laughs> yeah. Secretary of State. I'd, I'd really have my eyes on one place and one place only, and that's Tehran, a little bit on Yemen, but that's just me. And of course, Iran is, I think, behind a lot this. John Decker, good morning. Well, Iran is behind a lot of this. In fact, yesterday's drone strike took out a militia leader backed by Iran. This is the first targeted strike by a drone in against a militia leader backed by Iran by the Biden administration. That's why it's getting so much attention. Uh, mm-hmm. And the idea here is to send a message to Iran uh, not to escalate what we see happening in the Gaza Strip, not to escalate it throughout the Middle East, but Iran uh, they are a bad actor, Jack. You know that uh, for all the reasons that you just mentioned. They they back Hamas, they back Hezbollah, they back the Houthi rebels. Uh, they are a bad actor, and they are, go- are going after uh, U.S. military personnel as well as U.S. military interests. Well, I, you, you, know, we, you know what? It's still a very fluid situation. And I don't, unfortunately, I think it's going to be one that's going to last a while. We've got to keep an eye on all this. Thank you, John Decker, our own White House correspondent. All right. Going to switch gears. Uh, One of our regular contributors, leading uh, Democrat state senator and lion of the Senate, Senator Lou D'Alessandro. Good Friday morning, Senator. Jackie, good 
Good Friday morning to you and a very happy and prosperous New Year to the great Jack Heath. Uh, how, well, you, you certainly you certainly merited merited. How, how, how are you <laughs> doing? Flavoring in the vineyards as you have. Fine, uh, you know, been a little under, under the weather, but uh, coming back strong. And a lot going around, of course, to the time of year. Yeah, hey, we, for a tough session. Well, let's talk about the session, and then I want to get a little bit on the national stuff. Tell us about the session. We just had your colleague, Republican uh, Senate President uh, Jeb Bradley, on Good Morning New Hampshire. Uh, Tell us about the session. Well, I, you know, I, I think that, first of all, too many bills, uh, almost a 1,000 bills in the second session, which is unbelievable. And, of course, many of them are rehashes of the first session, right to work in both the House and, and, and the Senate, the transgender bills, the abortion bills. They're all coming back. The housing bills, they're all coming back. Everything's coming back. It's deja vu all over again. I know we do this repeatedly. Although the key, Jack, in this session is there are a significant number of money bills in the second session, uh, which is uh, really unusual mm-hmm. because the budget's in place. Uh, everybody, everything's been pretty much set, and there, there isn't a great deal of money left to give. To give, But the number of asks are... Are significant, and uh, we do, we heard one yesterday, and it's a it's a water bill, and it's twenty five twenty five billion dollar of ask, uh, and for a project for putting water in the southern part of the state. So uh, yeah. a lot of a lot of stuff like that, which I think is going to take a lot of time and effort to figure out. I think Senator Bradley must have uh, uh, said that, that the asks are heavy, and the ability to deal with them uh, very difficult. Hey, Senator, we have a regular listener just asked a question. I, I'm not familiar with the bill number. I think you referenced it right at the top when you did kind of an overview. But yesterday, I believe, a bill that would ban sex change surgery for minors passed the House. I think it's on to the Senate. What are your thoughts on this bill? Well, it, it uh, interesting, Jack. I think 13 Democrats switched and uh, it supported the ban. Uh, it's, it, that's going to be a very tough bill. It's coming across. Uh, I think that a lot of mixed emotions about that. And I think that, that a young man uh, from Peterborough, a Democrat, gave, uh, as I understand it, a compelling argument on the floor of the House. That's that's a tough piece of legislation. Uh, it takes a lot. Of, that's going to take a lot of time and effort before. What, it's, what, do, you, do you have it, any initial feelings on which way the Senate will go, or what you think? Yes or no. Um, I, I, I'm worried, Jack, about where we go, and, and I'm worried about the age of a, of a youngster making that decision. And yeah. I, I, I think about the, the physician, the, the doctor, the parents, and so yeah. forth. Yeah. It's a very troubling decision, to be honest with you. And yeah. tough one. I, and I don't know where I stand at this point in time. I, I want to stand on behalf of the child because I think that every kid's got to live their own life, and uh, yeah. life's tough enough the way it is. All right, hey, uh, real quickly, that's a session. Uh, you can you can finish anything else, but I, I'd love your take because you, <laughs> I just had, I said this to Senator Bradley, and, and you've written the book. Um, you could write a book in your sleep, Senator D'Alessandro, on New Hampshire's primaries and what yes. what 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 dynamics are at work that the national media always seems to miss. So my my, it seems like the billion dollar political question I'm asking analysts. I'm going to ask you this. And no one seems to really know because it is like predicting the AFC or the MS- NFC championship right. game. Um, a lot of variables, but are independents going to participate 
in the New Hampshire primary, particularly on the Republican side, since Joe Biden is not on the ballot here. Are independents going to participate in the Republican primary in big numbers or small numbers? Because typically, Republican primaries, they do not. They wait till the general election. But this is a presidential primary, kind of an aberration, big national news event. And, of course, Donald Trump, if I had to predict today, I think he has that Republican primary voter majority locked up. Senator Bradley predicted 40% for Trump on the 23rd. So the question is, will independents take part in your mind, yes or no? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think uh, Senator Bradley's correct. The rock-rigged Republican supporters of Trump are going to come out. They're going to come out. Uh, that was, on the Republican side, it's a fight for second place. But I don't, I don't see uh, independence being moved in, in this one. I really, I really don't. You got the Rock Rivers, who are who are going to be there. And if you look at the polls, Trump has consistently maintained the lead. Now uh, Haley has come, is moving, but uh, I think Chris Sununu's endorsement helps, uh, and he's appeared. You know, the TV ads have have been dominant in the last week. And radio, they yep. will be dominant as time goes. But uh, it, I, I no, I do not think that the, that the independents are going to come out on the Republican side. I can't see that happening. Now I can, I can see Biden doing well with the right-in because of the work that's been put in. But it's a crazy primary. I must tell you that, and, and it's the most different of any primary I've been I've been involved with. I've been right. involved with a lot of them. All right, listen, we're going to let you go. You have a good Friday. I know this is a huge Thank news you. story. We might have some snow in January tomorrow night and Sunday morning. But anyway, make it a good one, Senator. Right. Jackie, stay happy, stay healthy. Have a great, great, great American day. And keep the dream alive and well, please. All right. Thank you. All right. Kevin Landrigan, New Hampshire Union leader, senior political reporter. Good morning. Uh, I almost said Senator. Good morning, Kevin. Hey, Jack. How you doing? Happy Friday. Good. Good. How are you? Great. What's going on? What's going on? Well, um, well, as you were just talking with the Senate leadership, it's been a pretty hectic week here. It's a frantic first week of the legislature coming back in. They had almost 300 bills left over from the 2023 session they had to get done, and they managed to do it in pretty uh, collegial fashion. There were some tough fights, like the issue you were just speaking about regarding um, – Banning uh, reassignment surgeries for for kids under 18, um, very emotional issue. I think um, uh, I think Senator Delisandro's right. I think it's going to be a tough debate in the Senate, and uh, it's not going to be an easy decision for this governor, who who after all signed legislation to ban discrimination against transgenders in public schools and accommodations and the like. So it's really the the devil's going to be in the details here, and I. The House committee really did a good job in narrowing the focus of this thing. So you didn't, in other words, you're allowing youth to have um, sex surgeries for medical reasons or for religious reasons or all the sorts of things that um, you might imagine could happen to a, to a child. But when it comes to actually changing the gender of that individual, uh, that should not happen for kids under 18. And, and like uh, Senator D'Alessandro said, um, the Democrats couldn't hold the line. There were yeah. um, more than a dozen Democrats in the House that voted off, and, and uh, that touched off quite a, a, a torrent of criticism 
of those representatives on social media from from Democrats who really felt like um, the LGBT community had been let down. That was one of four bills, by the way, where that th- their side lost all four of them. Uh, two bills they wanted to pass, they weren't able to, and this bill that did pass, as well as one that deals with classifying biological sex. So in other words, allowing yep. the imprimatur in state yep. law for schools, for example, to say we're only going to have men's rooms and boys' rooms. We're not going to yep. have a, a unisex bathroom. Uh, and the same with uh, sports sports programs. We're going to have biological males competing against biological males and females against females. Um, and that bill passed as well, and uh, and we'll go over to the yeah. Senate too. Interesting. Yep. No, a lot yep. of this national stuff coming to light here, Kevin. We're a little bit tight on a little bit tight on time. Going to get working, yep. Doctor Vic from Las Vegas. Absolutely. He travels a lot. He does not work for the CIA. Hey, uh, <laughs> Kevin. The question I asked Senator Bradley this morning is making some news already. I'm getting some media require uh, inquiries. As a leading Republican, I asked him, the big question is, will independents participate in the Republican primary? And I asked Senator D'Alessandro, who knows a lot, he's written a book about the primary. Um, Senator D'Alessandro doesn't think they will. He thinks, uh, Senator Bradley thinks Trump wins New Hampshire regardless of Haley's momentum by around 40%, and Haley might get to 30 So a 10-point win. Um, my question, though, may be on the Democrats. I'm not saying that's going to happen. It might be tighter than that, which would be a big yeah. story. And yep. Haley does have momentum. I, you can see it and yep. feel it. But the question is, on the Democrat side, could, could a surprise story be that the Biden write in effort is not as resounding or as popular as the Democrat powers to be want it to be or not? It's possible. I don't think it will be. Here's, here's what to watch with the writing campaign. I mean, right now the polling is showing Biden in the 50s and Dean Phillips at best around 25. So he'd get a two-to-one victory there. Uh, is that big enough for him um it's probably not as big as he'd like but he can take it out of here but here's what to watch and you hit the nail on the head which is independent voters how many of them vote in the democratic primary the big question about that race on the democratic side is how big is the turnout and is it significantly less than you usually see when an incumbent democratic president runs for election because that's what's going to be now that he's not on the ballot, that's what's going to be measured here, which is if that turnout is significantly lower than, say, you saw in the second Obama reelect or the second Clinton reelect, mm-hmm. then the establishment Democrats across this country are going to say, wait a minute here. You know, does this president have the horses right. to, to make it all the way to get a second term? And... And frankly, this president has made his bed, and he's going to have to lie in it, meaning the DNC could have decided six months ago, you know what, he's not on the ballot. But by the way, Ray Buckley, here's $3 million so you can organize a writing campaign on his behalf. That never came. This has all been grassroots, ad hoc, word of mouth. You've got leading Democrats in the state, including the congressional delegation, breaking the necks right now to try and generate as much write-in support for Biden as possible right. without any any help from the National Democratic Party in the Biden yeah. re-election campaign. Right, so right. this is my point. If, if he ends up with a very lackluster turnout, he's only got himself to blame. I agree. All right, Kevin, make it a great Friday. Kevin Landry, another great you one, too. senior political reporter, New Hampshire leader. Thank you, Kevin. We heard it's your birthday. Happy 5-0, Hawaii 5-0, Dr. Vic. <laughs> 
Thanks, Jack. I really appreciate it. Yes, it's true. Not fake news. It's uh, I'm getting older. <laughs> and wiser. And wiser. <laughs> wiser. There you hey, go. Hey, real quick, because sure. we're tight today. Job report live yep. from Vegas. Take it away. Yeah, Jack. So today, uh, jobs number came out for December, a little bit stronger than people were expecting. This tells uh, a lot of the financial investors, hold on, the Fed may not be ready to cut rates in March like we thought. Um, and so the job market's hanging in there, which means the economy's probably hanging in there, which means that, you know, it's still muddling forward without any meaningful sign of disruption. Um, you know, I think that that's the big news. The markets took it with a little bit of a, a negative spin, saying, uh-oh, the Fed's not going to cut rates, so maybe these stocks are a little elevated compared to where they could be. Uh, and that's sort of the big takeaway, Jack. I mean, there's under the surface, there's a little bit of a, uh, a different story. Uh, if you start disentangling where unemployment right. is starting to rise versus where it is, look at the different groups, et cetera. But the headline is markets are uh, a little... Uh, watching and uh, paying attention to what the Fed's going to do. It's all about the all Fed, right. and the job sells about that. So that's what you got. All right. Have a great 50th. I don't want to cut into your family time. Happy 50th, Dr. Bill. All right. Thanks, all right. Jack. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks. Speaking of the presidential primary first in the nation, there's always some primary deals going on and opportunities. At Auto Fair Honda in Manchester, we have the great Jason LaCroix, head the, the uh, let's just say the president. He's not running for president. He's head of Auto Fair in the, in the region. But uh, Auto Fair Honda Manchester, Jason LaCroix joining us this Friday morning on some primary deals because it is a lot going on. Take it away, Jason. Good morning, Jack. Definitely not running for president. Oh, my goodness. Um, wait a minute wait a minute what about what about governor someday you know you can't rule anything out jason you know i gotta tell you as you know i'm pretty excited about our new mayor here in manchester um and uh, the uh the governor race is going to be exciting too so uh yeah good good things coming all right yeah Um, in fact i think we're gonna i think we're gonna have jay rule on next week but take it away jason Jack, we have cars. We have lots and lots and lots of cars, and we've talked, you know, we, we've talked for I don't know how many years, probably 15 or 20 years. Um, the last three, we haven't had any, and uh, we're about ready to have to move 1,600 or actually 2,000 cars with the snow that's coming this weekend, and none of us are excited about it, so we want to sell them. Well, you know, the interesting thing is people don't think about it. They, get, they rush into the holidays. Everyone's running around trying to be everything to everyone. And then they can breathe a little bit starting this week, and we're into the new year. And a lot of people don't realize it's a good time to look at your vehicle, not only because you're going into this, you know, we're in the winter season, we're getting some snow this week, and so is it safe? I was on the road yesterday, um, Jason, and I had to do one of those swerves on 101 because something, you know, fell off a truck in front of me. It was one of those moments you don't, you know, you, you don't want to have happen. But my vehicle, and it's an auto fair uh, Stratum Nissan Frontier, was sound enough to handle the turn quickly and the tires. But a lot of times vehicles, uh, SUVs, all traction, and then you look at the options, and a lot of people don't realize you're looking for used vehicles. There are great incentives, great deals. So talk to us a little bit about the timing right now. So it actually is interesting timing, and so the last couple of years we haven't had any cars. We had all kinds of different issues where uh, you know the inventory was so limited, but the technology improved significantly, the fuel economy has has improved significantly, the safety has improved significantly, and now we're at the point where we have the cars again. And I'll tell you why I think this is like probably the very best time to buy a car, especially if you have a trade. Uh, prices are, are coming down. We're seeing incentives. We're seeing low interest rates. We're seeing good leases. As these prices come down, then it's going to bring trading values down. They're going to follow. The prices go up, 
trade values go up. Prices go down, trade values go down. Now, we haven't hit that yet. So we're going to. I don't know if it's February, if it's March, or if it's April. Uh, I, I predict we're going to see a pretty significant uh, amount of depreciation just simply because the new car uh, prices have come down so much. So beat that if you can uh, and take advantage of the fact that we don't want to move 2,100 cars and we're going to get snow this month. You know, it's been, been warm so far and our luck is running out. And Actually, uh, I guess we're getting lucky if you, if you want the white stuff. Uh, but I think this is just a phenomenal time to take advantage of, of take advantage of us, really, the situation that we're in. You know, I was talking to a, a younger guy who does a lot of regional travel for his uh, job, a high tech job, and we were talking about. And I said, you know, I'd go to I'd go to Auto Fair in uh, in in Manchester, Auto Fair Honda, but of course they have the Hyundai, they have they have Ford, they have the Nissan Stratum, they have a lot of you know locations, but. Um, he was he was getting out of a vehicle that was what I'd call more higher end, and it's a lease, and he wants something that's dependable. And I said, look, at I've I've had in my lifetime, um, whether it's a Honda and now a Nissan, I've had these vehicles, and I've only had to put like you know gas and oil in them. I rarely have an issue. And cars today are high tech; they're basically like computers. And a lot of these vehicles, they 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 just stuff breaks down in them. And I've seen in, in your in the stuff, the, a lot of the brands you have, their 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 dependability is very high, and I and I think that's important, especially with families today on budgets, and you don't want the extra service of something that just, you know, after a few thousand miles, all of a sudden you get a major issue. So the dependability of some of the brands matters, right? Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, and you're right. Affordability across the board, everything is is high. So you, we want to spend as little as we possibly can to get a nice, safe, reliable, fun to drive car. Um, good time to do it. All right. What are the hottest? What are you seeing? Um, uh, SUVs still, um, you know, hybrids, SUVs. What are you seeing trend-wise? Yeah, same thing. Um, SUVs, smaller SUVs are, are super popular. Um, the, the hybrids are, are great. I'm not seeing a, you know, a ton of activity on the all-electric cars. Um, we've, we've all just installed EV chargers. So if you, if you want an EV, you can get a really, really, really great deal. The manufacturers are supporting them. Um, we, we need to move them. Uh, and, uh, you know, I know you may, you know, the infrastructure may or may not be there, but uh, you can plug them in at home and you can bring them over here and plug them in too. All right, Auto Fair Honda Manchester, and of course you have six locations in the region. Jason LaCroix, head of Auto Fair, Good Morning New Hampshire, the Pulse of an H with some primary deals. Thank you, Jason. Thanks, Jack.